Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. I'm delighted to welcome to the broadcast today, uh, Rachel Ruth Lotz Wright. And Rachel Ruth Wright is uh, a resident of Raleigh and has a famous mom that many of you have uh, been blessed by. Anne Graham Lotz has been a faithful witness uh, and Bible teacher for Jesus Christ uh, for a generation. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing. I grew up in Montreat where the Graham family lived and uh, she was the child who stayed on the straight and narrow. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. Um, so it, it's a joy now to see the next generation having accepted the baton and running well. And that's what we're going to talk about. She has a new book called Jesus Followers. It's well-written and uh, has a lot of wonderful stories in it, but it's not just anecdotes. It's biblical observations and applications that I think are going to be helpful to a lot of people. And I want to encourage our listeners, if you're interested in how to pass the faith to the next generation, then you ought to be interested in this book. Uh, Rachel Ruth, you've written a wonderful book, and thank you for doing so. Oh, that means the world to me. I really appreciate it. So it's, I give the glory all to the Lord. So I just feel like um, it was definitely a burden on my heart to write for a long time. And I just felt so strongly that the Lord wanted me to. And because, you know, for whatever reason, except that it was God's grace in my life that he placed me in this family, mm-hmm. I had two sets of grandparents that love the Lord and, and parents that love the Lord. And I know not everybody has that. And so yeah. I just wanted to write these stories down for people who wouldn't know what it looks like. And but they want to implement it in their homes, but they don't know what it looks like. And and so that was really why I did it. And um, and so thank you for what you said about it. I really appreciate that. So. Well, you're very welcome. And again, I really do appreciate your having done this. You you obviously uh, gave it a lot of thought and a lot of prayer. Yes. And uh, what you share is is well presented. Um, the stories are delightful. Um, you you know give us little insights into the family and both sides of the family. Yeah. Um, your dad uh, was I can I can honestly say a giant of a man. <laughs> and um, the I, I did get to meet him too. Oh. Uh, so I look forward to seeing him again in heaven. We'll have a lot more time to visit. But uh, you your dad was. Um, uh, a, a clear, bold witness for Christ, and yet he didn't make his living in uh, religious work. He was a dentist. Yes, yeah. I know. I love that. I, I love that about my dad because he worked hard in dentistry, and he didn't even really like it because he was like, "I'm just inflicting pain on him all day long," you know. <laughs> but, 
but he would go in there and talk and, and really he gave half of his patients, you know, did it for free. I mean, he was just, he was so great about that. But then after work, he was running, leading Bible studies and helping with the fellowship of Christian athletes over at UNC and, Mm -hmm. and so just active and doing stuff like that. But I love the fact that he just, you know, worked and, and, uh, so it's just a great example to me. Amen. Amen. Um, now, in the book, you have four key areas that you set forth as being essential if we're going to pass the faith to the next generation. Talk with us about those four, if you would. So we did it in as the four sections are to work, worship, witness, and your walk. So in those four sections, um, my mom wrote about taking out Genesis 5, the genealogy, which a lot of people skip over. But um, but when you look at it, it's so neat to see how it was passed down. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, just following from the line of Seth and, and going down. And so she talks a little bit about that. And then in each of the sections, then I write examples, you know, stories from my family in each of those um, sections, how we can glorify the Lord in our work, you know, and be a witness and how do we carry out our walk in, you know, different ways that we can do that. So, um, so yeah, that's how we kind of separated the book and it seemed to flow well. And thinking of passing the baton in, in the four by 400, there's four sections, you know, so mm-hmm. they have to pass the baton four times and, um, and, and it's so important that you pass it well and you pass it within the time frame when you can pass it. You know, there's all these little things that are great. It's a great analogy. Absolutely. Our life and, and how we need to pass on our love for the Lord and pass on his truth to the next generation. So. And in fact, that's a key as to where the enemy tries to mess things up. You know, if we fail to pass our faith to the next generation, and that's, that's a two-way thing. Yes. If, if we're not diligent about the fact that we're supposed to be passing the baton, we're not going to do it well. Mm-hmm. But if the next generation doesn't take seriously this gift that's being handed to them, the treasure that is being entrusted to them, then it can fail on their end. Mm-hmm. And if they receive it from the generation that went before, but fail to pass it to the next generation, once again, the chain is broken. And God's intention is that from generation to generation to generation, for you and your household, God offers salvation. Yes. Oh, that's exactly right. And it's such a passion of mine. And just, and, and it's really the bottom line is that you have to be authentic in your home. You know, if you say one thing, and live another way in front of your kids, they, they're not going to care, you know, but, Amen. The, and, and so we just have to be authentic in our home and, and our love for Jesus should just flow out uh, in everything we do, everything we say, everything we watch, you know, read and, and our kids see that they can spot a phony from a mile away, you know, and so it's so important to be authentic in the home and, um, and that love, the Lord is contagious, you know, and yes. so that's, um, that's a lot of, a lot of things that I talked about in the book, but. Now, one of the examples that you use that's dear to my heart, because out of your mom's whole family, the person I was closest to was actually her mom. Oh. And uh, one of the things you talk about, you share a lot of stories about Billy's wife, Ruth. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact you talk about her worship, constant worship. Yeah 
all through the day, whatever she was going through, whether toward the end of her life with tremendous pain or in the younger years with Billy's absence, uh, with the fact that uh, her children were not always easy, um, with, you know, with all the things she faced, she lived in the Lord's presence and really worshiped continually. Talk with us a little bit about that, if you would. Oh, I would love to. She was amazing. And I was really close to her. And she had us call her Teta, which means old lady in Chinese. <laughs> she was born and raised in China. Her grandparents, I mean, her parents were um, medical missionaries there yes. in China. And so, so Teta, she did, she had so much joy. And so mm-hmm. she was so funny and very witty and, yes. but, but very, very Christ-like. And so we would always talk about the Lord. She would always stop and pray with us. And and she did have a lot of pain in her older years for years, actually, and mm-hmm. had, I think, five hip replacements in at different times. I mean, because the ones that have been replaced need to be replaced again and, mm-hmm. and just in so much pain and back pain. But she never complained about it. She didn't right. show it on her face. She was always joyful and sweet. And and it was amazing. And, you know, the other thing about Teta, which I wrote about, is how Daddy Bill was gone. Because of his ministry, he was gone a lot, sometimes nine months at a time. Mm-hmm. And Teta wasn't bitter. And that blew me away because I would yeah. talk to her about it. Like, how did you not grow bitter? and angry and resentful. And, and I talk about how, cause my husband's a football coach. So he's gone a lot of the time. And, and I was by myself, you know, with the girls forever, my, my girls raising them. And, um, and she didn't grow bitter. She was so loving and so sweet to the point that um, in their older years, when daddy Bill was home a lot more, she just welcomed them in. They would hold hands. They would stare at each other. I mean, it was dear. And- it was absolutely. It was beautiful. They were yeah. so obviously in love. So in love. And and I just, what a testimony that was to me that where like a lot of people, she could have just been like, I don't want to talk to you. Bitter, just getting mm-hmm. upset. You missed this and you missed that. But she never did. She just right. truly grasp that he was out doing ministry and this was her part of ministries letting him go and it was beautiful it was absolutely beautiful so and you know again i appreciate the fact that as you tell these stories and reflect back on the legacy that god blessed you with um you don't paint everything as being perfect all the time and happy and rosy all the time it wasn't i i appreciate and that that also is part of the legacy that was passed to you. Billy and Ruth were honest people yes. and, yes. and honest about their struggles. I think Ruth, if I recall the quote correctly, uh, said that early in their marriage, she got so frustrated with Billy. She prayed one time, Lord, if you'll forgive me for marrying him, I promise not to do it again. <laughs> it. You know, the, the fact that, that they could talk about yeah. their feelings and talk about frustrations but they didn't let their feelings govern their behavior. Yes. They, they didn't just live there. They could be honest and yet go back to God's word and have their minds renewed and focus on doing what God had called them to do, which yes. for both of them was a very challenging ministry. Yes, that's exactly right. And they did. They always kept their focus on the Lord and his word. In fact, Daddy Bill the when he was older and he couldn't see as great see that yeah. great he 
he had scripture blown up in these huge block letters and he had them on big posters and they were in the hallways, they were in his bathroom, they're everywhere so that he could always look at it and be ingesting God's word, you know, reading Amen. it and keeping it on his mind. And, and so when they were suffering and when they were not feeling good, they still put their focus on the Lord. So it wasn't yes. just when they were taken to nice restaurants and on stages and, you know, all this stuff. It was even in the hard times that yes. they had their focus on the Lord and life is hard. I mean, it's hard for all of us. And, mm -hmm. and so what are we going to do about it? You know, are we going to have a pity party? Are we going to grow bitter? Are we going to get angry at other people? And, and my grandparents and my parents were such a great example of that, that no matter what you just, keep your focus on the Lord. You love him. You have that joy, the Lord that you can't even explain. I mean, Amen. yeah. So because it, it doesn't come from our circumstances. No, it comes from him. It comes from that relationship with him. Yes, that's exactly right. So now again, you mentioned earlier that not everyone has this kind of background. Right. Um, not everyone comes from the kind of uh, extraordinary family that you were blessed with, but the question is, what are you going to do for the next generation? In other words, you can't go back and undo who your parents were, who your grandparents were, what your childhood was, but you can, by God's grace, have a powerful impact on the generations that follow you. Yes. Yes. So talk with us a little bit about that. Absolutely, because my challenge would be to start now. It is okay. You, everybody, nobody can help who, whose family you're born into. So that is not you know, it doesn't put a big X on your life. Like you can't forget it. You can't pass it on because you weren't in that kind of family. That has nothing to do with it. You just start now your race with the Lord and, mm -hmm. and you get to know him and study your Bible and just fall in love with Jesus. And then, and then as you go, you teach your kids what, what it is you're learning. Just if it's brand new to you, just be like, I was reading in the book of John today. And this was what God told me. And, and I realized I shouldn't have said that to you yesterday. And I'm sorry about that. I think being honest with your kids, taking them through scripture as you go through it and telling them, because I think we can read these little children's books to them and talk to them about this. But, but when it really becomes alive to them is when you're telling your own experience to them. So this is what God said to me, and this is how it helped me today or how it changed my life. And, and you share it with your kids and, and they'll see that. They'll see that change in you. And, um, and then they can pass it on to their kids. But I think the thing is, is you've just got to start. you just got to start now. Don't worry about the past. And, and your testimony, whatever, that's part of your testimony. If you grew up in a hard home, if you grew up in a situation where you didn't hear about the Lord or, or you had a, a bad past, and now you found the Lord, praise the Lord. That's part of Amen. your testimony. And it's part of something that you can share with your kids and, and God will use it in your life. So none of us are perfect. None of us have to be perfect. We just have to be um, right before the Lord. You just take all that to the Lord and then let the Lord guide you in your relationship with him. And, um, and, and as you raise your kids too. So. Amen. Yeah. And the fact is, it, our job is ultimately not to be pointing them to us, but yeah. for us to be pointing them yeah. to him. That's right. Uh, you know, when, when I was 12 years old, I wanted my dad to tell me I couldn't do something I was being pressured to do. And it, it wasn't something sinful. 
Uh, it was something that in, in a legalistic fundamentalist background, like I was used to, mm -hmm. uh, was considered worldly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, for me, the reason I didn't want to do it was not because I had this conviction from God. It was because I was socially awkward and uh, I didn't want to be in a socially awkward situation. And if, my, if I could say, well, I, I can't come because my parents won't let me, yeah. then, you know, I'm off the hook. Right. So I went to my dad at age 12 and I said, you know, am I allowed to thus and such? And he said, I think you need to pray about that. Oh. And, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. But my dad saw it as an opportunity to teach me to develop my relationship with the Lord. He knew I was already saved. I, I'd already trusted Christ and I was sincere about that. But I, it was easier for me just to say, I can't do it because my parents say no. Yeah. And it was to say, I'd really rather not. Yes. Wow. So um, I, I thank God mm -hmm. that my parents took seriously and especially my dad. Mom was quicker to try and offer counsel. But dad, <laughs> dad was forever directing me to the Lord because he knew that one day he'd be gone. Yes. And it was imperative that I learn to go to God's word, to go to him in prayer, to seek the face of God and to do what the Lord was directing me to do. Oh, and, and that's how he passed the baton. Yes, so much wisdom. Now, in, in your book, one of the things you talk about is basically the fact that God does communicate with us and that prayer is not a one-way conversation. We don't just come to God in prayer and tell him a bunch of things that we think he needs to be caught up on. And then we you know, sort of go on with our day. Uh, we don't just turn in a list of wants or whatever, but it's a conversation with our Heavenly Father, yes. which is possible because of his Holy Spirit living in the, us as believers, and Jesus as our mediator, which makes it possible for us to call God Daddy, Abba yes. Father. Yes. So in that conversation with God, God will sometimes alert us to something and guide us in the way we ought to pray. And you share a story about a friend of yours who texted you urgently asking prayer because her son and a friend of his were in a dangerous situation in Turkey. Would you share a little bit of that with us? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you may know them, Tom and Joanne Doyle. Um, I know the name. I don't know the family. Oh, they're just wonderful, but um, have a ministry in the Middle East. And so their sons were over there and she texted me um, and said, can you please pray? Because they're surrounded by ISIS right now. They're in Turkey doing ministry and they were sur literally surrounded by ISIS in a circle. And, and so I got on my knees. I started praying and asked the Lord, you know, just to help me as I was praying. And the Lord brought to my mind, because I'm very visual, I picture things in my head and I kind of pray what, what I see a lot of times. And, um, and so I prayed that the Lord would bring an, an English-speaking Arabic man into this circle to help lead them out. And that's just what I saw. So that's what I was praying. That was the Holy, what the Holy Spirit had shown me. And so as I prayed that, prayed that I got a text from her a little while later and she was like, Rachel Ruth, everything's okay. She said, you'll never believe, but this man, this Middle Eastern man came up to them in the circle and said, are you lost? You need to find your hotel. Can I walk you back? And they said, yes, walks him back to the hotel. They had no idea who he was, never saw him again. And I think it was probably an angel, but, but the Lord used this 
housewife all the way in Raleigh, North Carolina, praying to, to affect someone's life all the way in Turkey. I mean, it is so supernatural. It is so not me. It was all the Holy Spirit, you know, just using me in prayer. And that's, that's the power that we have when we come to the Lord in prayer. Amen. God could do all of this without any involvement on our part. Yes. But he wants to involve us in what he's doing yes. all around the world. That's and our prayers do make a difference. And I say that not just based on nice stories like the one you just shared, but based on what scripture says. The yes. fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Yes. And that includes, when it says that, a righteous woman. God is promising to work through his children. He wants to do it that way. If you look at the scriptures, every, I say this over and over and over, but I think it's vital. Every time God is working a miracle, it's in the context of obedience. God tells someone or some group something that they need to do. Whether it's, you know, speak to the rock. Yeah. as opposed to strike the rock the yeah, second right. time, mm-hmm. whether it is uh, hold out the rod over the Red Sea, what, whatever it may be, it's in the context of obedience and over and over. So now look for in those miracle stories, what was it that God told his servant to do? And as people obey, God works in miraculous ways. It does. Oh, that's exactly right. So it's thrilling. It really is thrilling. And I find myself praying all day long. You know, even if I'm driving down the street and I see someone walking along the road, I feel like the prompting of the Lord to pray for that person. I mean, it's it's just this wonderful relationship we can have with the Lord in prayer and and talking to him. And as he guides you, he shows you who to pray for and what to pray for. And and, and we just have to be obedient to really pray when, when those things are on our hearts. So. And, and sometimes he will lead us to do something that surprises us, yeah. that might even make us feel a little awkward. Yeah. My brother uh, was pastor of a mega church, and uh, he was at a conference, and he felt prompted by the Lord to go forward and ask the speaker to pray for him about something. And uh, he thought, well, you know, this is really, I mean, this is not the time and place to do that. I, do, I don't really feel comfortable doing that. Uh, he's a good Presbyterian. And uh, Presbyterians are not comfortable going forward. <laughs> so it was like, you know, I, I'll, I, I know what I'll do. I mean, he's sitting there kind of struggling with this. And he thought, okay, I'll go and meet with him tonight, like Nicodemus met with yes. Jesus. That's, that's what he decided internally. He didn't say anything about it. Nobody was preaching from John 3 about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is nowhere on the horizon. But when the invitation was given and he did not go forward, a man who was a complete stranger to him, never seen the guy before, they hadn't even exchanged pleasantries, just a stranger sitting in the same pew, leaned over and said to him, well, Nicodemus, it's now or never. Oh, wow. Now, John obviously was startled by that, and he went forward. But I'm thinking about that guy. Imagine if you're sitting there, there's a stranger next to you, and God says, tell him, well, Nicodemus, it's now or never. And you're thinking, I don't even know this guy. What does that even mean? You know? But that man obeyed, and his obedience 
prompted my brother to do what he needed to do. Wow. So don't be afraid to you know, look stupid. Yes. A lot of God's servants have been asked to do things that to the world did not make sense. Yes. Oh. But he is calling us to trust and obey. And your book is filled with the story of trust and obedience. The book is Jesus Followers. And uh, Rachel Ruth Wright, uh, with her mom and Graham Lotz, uh, have given us a wonderful gift in this book. I want to encourage our listeners to get hold of it, to read it, to enjoy it, to learn from it, and to put it into practice. Rachel Ruth, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. I could have done this all day. You've been such a joy to talk to. Bless you. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.